Welcome to another edition of Network Better, the podcast that talks about networking and all things related to networking with networking expert Jeremy Marchant. My name is Dave Harris and today we're going to be talking about how we process information and make decisions because this is quite important in the context of networking. So Jeremy, tell me about your approach to this and the model that you use to to help you understand this issue. Of course. So the, the first thing I'd say is that the reason this is valuable is that when you are talking to potentially quite a lot of people that you meet at networking events whom you don't know very well or at all before you start talking to them, the more you understand the way that other people listen to what you're saying and process it, the more competent you are at actually communicating with them. So this this theory is one of the few theories of psychology which has been very substantially tested. It was originated by Carl Jung. He published it in 1928, so 90 years ago. And it actually forms the basis of originally the Myers-Briggs personality test and then it's Myers-Briggs's competitors and copiers and all the rest of it. And I want to emphasise I'm not going anywhere near Myers-Briggs. I want to go back to the original model, which is much more useful in its pure form. And what what Jung noticed from his own clinical experience and, and that of other psychiatrists was that human beings process information in four ways. We all process information in all four ways. So that in itself doesn't sound that's going to lead anywhere useful. But what Jung then realised was that each of us favours one of those ways over the other three. Certainly doesn't exclusively use them, but has a predisposition to use them. And the four ways that they're traditionally talked about in in English are thinking, feeling, knowing and sensing. And I want, what I want to do is just go through each of the four of them and then give you a nice little example all about a restaurant which illustrates how these four different types of people function and how they relate to each other uh, when they're communicating. So just to be clear, sorry, I interrupted you there, but just no, to be no, no. clear, so make sure I understand this. So everybody, everybody does this, thinking, feeling, knowing and sensing, but each of us tends to favour one over the other three and that is that's kind of our personality type if I could use that expression and if you can understand that particularly in a networking context that can help you in your communications correct and this is one of these topics which we're discussing today which is applicable throughout business it's applicable actually throughout your whole life so the fourth the four Methods are thinking, feeling, knowing and sensing, as I said. And let's just quickly go through those four. Thinkers, perhaps the most obvious. It's the one which predominates in Western society, I have to say. Thinkers think. They consciously, rationally think and they require lots of data, lots of information. And luckily... There is lots of data and information to go around. There's this book, which I'm reading at the moment, just come out by Hans Rosling, called Factfulness. And his thesis is that politicians would make better decisions if they knew the numbers more accurately. Numbers about famine and war and education and so forth. And it's very interesting that most people don't know these numbers, but the fact is that Rosling's 
interesting theories are just thinking theories not and touch the other three so thinking conscious rational data da, da, da. feelers are much more interested in how they feel about something it's an emotional response it's not faster it's not better it's just different and there are very few tools in society and certainly in business which help people make better feelings-based decisions but that's not as bad as uh, knowers knowers may be the wrong word but that's what's come to be used knowing people are intuitive people they just know the answer it doesn't mean that the answer is more likely to be right just because the knower arrived at it more quickly, even though all knowers think that it must be right because they arrived at it more quickly. But knowers are basically intuitive people. And sensors are people that make decisions based on data that they actually perceive in the real world. And you can immediately see how certain professions might be suited to certain of these styles. So, and this is not remotely intended to disparage anybody, but accountants are probably going to be thinkers. Actors, for example, are going to be feelers. Um, that's probably where coaches, mentors sit often. Although the best coaches and mentors probably recognise the value of their intuition and, and are are knowers as much as anything and then finally you have a, a vast army of people who work with their hands whether they make furniture or whether they are farmers and a lot of the information they get for example about the quality of a crop is what they can see and what they can feel about it so those are those four different types and I must emphasize that we all do all four but we have a predisposition to favor one of them Okay, so before we go any further, let me just give you an example which really clinches it for me, uh, which is in most people's experience, which is that you're going to a restaurant with a group of colleagues or you know, 10 or so friends or whatever. And the question is, how does each person deal with the menu? So thinkers, of whom I... And I'm quite dominant, the thinker myself. Thinkers will start on page one of the menu and they'll read all the information about all the dishes and they'll turn over the page when they get to the bottom and then they'll read all the information about the dishes on page two and they'll carry on and then they'll go and look at the specials board and by the time they've done that they've forgotten what they read on page one so they read that all over again. In other words, they, they seek to gather as much information, much data as possible about... Uh, what's on offer and they might add to that well knowledge about well what did I have last time and did I like it and so forth so those are your thinkers your feelers absolutely ask themselves what do I feel like having today and they they go through the menu as well in fine detail and at great length but they're not reading they're not assessing the data they are, they are reading lamb biryani and wondering, well, no, do I feel like having a lamb biryani today? Or maybe I have a korma or, or whatever. Da, 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 da. So the feelers are, are assessing the decision in that feeling way. And that's what I mean about using feelings to make a decision. That's how the feelers make decisions when they go to a restaurant. The knowers, who are possibly the smallest group of the four, to be honest, that's, I don't know why, but that seems to be the case. 
they just know what they want. You know, they probably knew what they wanted before they arrived. And they might do a bit of cursory looking at the menu just to check, to confirm. The knowers get quite irritated, actually, with the thinkers and the feelers because they just can't bear that this whole process takes so long. So the best thing to do is to send them to the bar to get some drinks. The censors... Well, the censors would really like to have a taste of everything because then they'll certainly be able to tell, well, I like that, I'm going to have that. Hopefully they don't have to taste everything on the menu, but unfortunately in restaurants you don't get a taste anyway. What you do get, though, is you can see what other people are having. And, you know, and I, I had a friend who would do this. She would, she would be like a, a meerkat. She would be looking at what other people were having, looking at what the waiters were bringing other people, asking herself whether she wanted that. Or not. So she's using, as best she could, she's using sensory information. And I think that that's why down market restaurants have pictures of bacon and eggs, if bacon and eggs is on the menu. They have a picture of bacon and eggs on the menu. Not because they think the, the, the people are so stupid they don't know what bacon and eggs looks like, but it actually helps the uh, sensors decide what they want. So look at it from the point of view. The restaurant thinking feeling, knowing and sensing. Okay, so that, that's very, very helpful analogy, actually, very helpful. Uh, is that an analogy or an allegory? I'm not sure, I get confused. But it's a story. It's, <laughs> thank you, Jeremy. Anyway, whatever, it's very helpful. So how might we apply this knowledge, this newfound knowledge of, of the thinkers, feelers, knowers and sensors, how might we apply that in business, in particular in networking and building relationships? Okay, well, well I'm going to say a quick story, which, which has got nothing to do with business. I, I, I heard it from Darren Sherlaw, who was one of the people that trained me as a coach. But it, it does illustrate this perfectly. Darren started his business in Australia. He's Australian. And he tells a story about one of his Australian coaches. And the coach told a story about one of his clients. And this was actually about... Uh, the ability of the client to communicate with his children well uh, because he was able to communicate very well with the the eldest they had a great relationship and with the youngest too but the middle one I don't think it's relevant that she was a girl but the, the girl they always had a difficult relationship and this was really distressing to this coach's client you know what am I doing wrong I'm treating the girl the same as I'm treating the other children aren't you supposed to treat all your children the same equally well the answer to that is no because by treating them the same you're making your belief that children should be treated the same more important than the needs of the child what the client realized when the coach went through this model was that the client was a thinker and the eldest child was a thinker, and the youngest child was a thinker, and the girl was a feeler. And all the client had to do was moderate, or modify, I should say, his language that he used with the girl, so he spoke to her differently than he spoke to the other children, and the relationship clicked, because the girl now realised that father was actually able to communicate with her in a way that she could process she could use that's a really telling example because the solution to a, a long-standing serious problem was solved in five minutes well five minutes it took for the client to realize what the solution was and then he had to implement it so in, in a business context you may not be able to tell straight away what preference which of these four modes one 
person prefers over the others. So one thing you should do is not assume they're all like you. So if you get the opportunity to make a presentation, for example, then even if it's only two minutes, try and get some facts in, try and get a feeling statement in, and certainly try and get some something in which qualifies under the sensing umbrella. And if you've got more than two minutes, whether or not you use PowerPoint, I prefer you didn't, but whether or not you use PowerPoint, do the famous thing that the army teaches people to do presentations, which is you tell them what you're going to say, you tell it to them, and then you tell them what you've said. And you make sure that each time you do one of those three things, you do them in a different mode. So this is what I'm going to say, fact, 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 fact. Then you tell them the stuff that you're actually going to tell them, which being feelings, and it could have lots of stories in it and, and all the rest of it. And then this is what I've told you, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. This is what the, the, uh, the knowers will warm to most. And the funny thing is, I think that if, if you've got knowers in the audience, they may get quite annoyed that the, the thing is taking so long and then all these stories. But once you give them the bullet points they'll get, oh, he has taken, she has taken account of my needs. So that, that's an important point. When you're communicating with a group of people, don't assume that they're all like you. So as you say, there are, you know, it's not, you're not necessarily going to know straight away. But once you do start to get a feel for, you know, as a relationship builds, presumably you know, if you're paying attention and you're, and you're thinking about these things, you are going to start to get an inkling of where this person's preferences might lie on that uh, of those four categories and then presumably it is wise then to try and adapt a little bit your communication style your, your the sort of things you talk about but presumably there's also you know then there's the the danger if you take that too far that you might end up trying to be somebody that you're not is there a danger there you know you might end up being a bit inauthentic perhaps I suppose there's always a danger that we end up by being inauthentic I think that probably happens to all of us from time to time i think it depends what you mean by who you are if who you are is the sort of person that is concerned to communicate as best as possible with other people in the way that they find helpful and not in the way that you find helpful then it's entirely authentic then to go ahead and do it it's actually inauthentic not to do it i'd argue yeah you can be it's but it's like the, the guy with his children you know, he, the guy, had the belief that you treat your children the same. And he, presumably for years, I don't know how old this girl was, let's say eight, you know, this girl had been on the receiving end of his dogma that you treat all children the same for eight years of her, the total eight years of her life. Well, it didn't serve her. Uh, he was being much more authentic when he let in the feelings about you know I'm sure his love for his child and his desire to the child was as happy as possible and was able to thrive and so he behaved he spoke and felt in a way which facilitated that that growth yeah I'm, I'm quite happy that people behave differently with different people or people feel differently with different people or they think differently with different people I don't think it even confuses people. It's like it's like your member of the audience sitting in front of your presentation, where you've given them, where you've told them what you're going to say. You tell them it, and then you tell them what you've said, and you you do that in three different ways. I don't think people will say, "Oh, but he said it differently the last time." They'll probably be any too grateful that you said it differently the last time. So before we finish, uh, I'd just like to make an, another point, which I think is often neglected by people to their disadvantage. 
It's around knowing or intuition, as I'll call it. The issue about intuition is that most people don't really trust the answer that pops into their head. They prefer to suppress that answer and then think consciously what the answer is. And my argument is that the first answer is what they should go with. Because the first answer is a product of their intuition. And why should they trust it? Well, intuition is more specific, more precise than people think. Intuition is as rational a thinking process as one's experience of thinking rationally. The only difference is that it's unconscious. So we're not aware of it. And because we're not aware of how we arrived at the answer, we think the answer must be suspect. Whereas, in fact, we should say, well, I know that this is a thinking process which is unconscious, so I will thank my mind for giving me this answer because it probably is actually a better answer than one I now laboriously, consciously think over. And I've had some of my best insights with clients when I have literally started a sentence and not known how I was going to finish but for some reason was confident that I would have end the sentence and that has been the single thing that has been most useful for the client over many coaching sessions and I'm trying really hard to trust my intuition even more than I do and I would advocate that for everybody listening is trust your intuition it's not some gut instinct or anything else it's a perfectly rational process which you simply are not aware of thank you jeremy you've been listening to the network better podcast we've been talking about how to process information and make decisions particularly in a business context that was extremely interesting i have to say i learned a lot there thank you very much jeremy and uh, keep listening we'll be back with more podcasts soon